Holy Father, blessed are you. Holy are you. We thank you for the privilege to come before your presence in the name of Jesus, to stand before you by the righteousness of Jesus Christ, with all boldness and confidence, crying out by the Spirit of adoption, Abba Father. We thank you that you have opened our understanding to the truth of your word. The scripture says flowers may fade and the grass may wither, but the word of the Lord remaineth forever. And even the Lord Jesus Christ said, heaven and earth shall pass away but my words shall remain. And we thank you for granting us illumination regarding your eternal counsel to help us, aid us in navigating our path through this life. Even as the scripture says, for the path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter even unto the noonday. It is your word that beautifies us. It is your spirit guiding us into all truth who beautifies us. Continue to wash us and cleanse us <clears throat> by the word. Purge us by the spirit of fire. That your glory, that greater glory spoken of even in the prophets, may be revealed in our lives. God, continue to minister strength to us. Minister strength to us. Even as we walk in these last days, help us to walk with God in a dark age. Help us to understand the protocols necessary to walk with God, to be preserved from the perversions, the wickedness in this world. Continue to increase the knowledge of Jesus Christ in us, for that is what multiplies grace. That is what multiplies your peace. That what causes us to be fruitful that we may walk straightly neither turning to the left nor to the right we thank you even for that opportunity this evening Lord together and convene together with the brethren to break bread to share the word of God and let light permeate. Permeate through the darkness, tear the veils in our hearts, in our souls. For it is written, 
as we behold with unveiled face the mirror of the glory of the Lord, we are being changed from glory to glory, even by the same Spirit of the Lord. Thank you, Father, that the Spirit of God has liberty to work through the ministry of the Word of God within us. Oh, Holy Spirit of God, we call you to sanctify our spirit and our flesh unto perfection. Thank you, Lord, that thou shalt enlighten our darkness. Thy word shall be a lamp as unto a dark place. For you said that he that follows you shall walk in the light and darkness shall not overtake him. We follow you, Jesus. We follow your word. We follow your spirit. For you said, it is written. It is written. It is written. And we can stake our lives on the word of God. We can live and die by the word of God. We give you thanks. We give you honor, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, good evening. How are you? Can you guys hear me? Praise God. You have your Bibles. If you have your Bibles, turn your Bibles to the book of Revelation, please. We are living in the days of fulfilled prophecies. Prophecies spoken by the prophets of God in the scriptures and those whom God has commissioned for a time such as this. You know, I'm certain that many Christians do not understand the dynamic relationship that we have to Israel and the Jews as a people, as a race. And God has set them forth as an example to us since their rejection of Jesus Christ. The Jews have suffered throughout the dispensations grave atrocities from other nations. Because these have always been God's chosen people. This is something we, we need to we constantly remember that Israel 
are God's chosen race in the earth. God chose them. And it is through their father Abraham that he made an everlasting covenant. And it was upon the precipice of that covenant that Jesus Christ himself came. And in reality, the only reason why there are Christians today is because of Israel's rejection of God and of his grace. And it is that rejection that opened the door for the salvation of the Gentiles. So as a race, as a nation, Israel has always mirrored the patterns, the purposes, and the plans of God. To understand God and his intentions upon the earth, one would just need to look at the Jews. They are his people. It has not changed. They are God's elect. We are, as the Bible tells us, wild olive trees that have been grafted into the wild olive. So by nature, we don't belong there. It is by mercy that we are grafted onto the tree which is Christ. So when we see what is happening today in Israel, we know or at least I am aware that it is a clarion call, a sounding, as it were, of God to us as Christians to remind us of the words which He has spoken and also to prepare us for days ahead. God in his mercy has blessed us as a ministry and has given us prophetic understanding of the times in which we live in. And I've been telling you for a couple of years now, at least from 2019, that there is a world war that is coming and it will affect every other nation on earth. And I told you that many times God deals with nations on the basis of how nations deal with Israel, deal with his people. So when the Bible talks about the value of decision, so about the place where nations needed to decide how they are going to deal or navigate the dynamics regarding Israel. And World War Three will ensue. And I think I, I told you, it will be sparked by the conflict in the Middle East. And we have seen the inception of the war. My brothers and my sisters, the end of days is at hand. Now more than ever. 
And I believe with all my heart that God has given me the prophetic ministry as well as the teaching ministry, not only to announce the future to God's people, but also to help them prepare through the word of God and through the teaching of God's word. And I am confident that if we abide with the word, if we stay our cause with the word of God, we will triumph. We will be saved. Because Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass, but my words shall remain. In other words, there's temporality to heaven and earth, but not his word. There's no temporality. His word is eternal. His word is always. His word is forever. And if we commit to abiding in his word, to living by the counsel of his word, we are certified for eternity. So, when we started this series, the Bible series, I felt in my heart that it is important for God's people to understand the word of God as communicated in the scriptures, not as communicated by theologians, but as communicated by the spirit, because there's a difference, right? Theologians, Bible scholars have their own protocols for interpretation, which is unnecessary. I, I believe is unnecessary because if we would read the scriptures, the spirit of God, who is the author, can give us understanding. Because if the scriptures, or to understand the scriptures required interpretation of theologians or Bible scholars, then we of all men are really hopeless. Right? Because the vast majority of people who read the Bible are not trained in scholastic erudition and, and in, 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 in the literature of the scriptures. And really that is not what God requires. There is, there is a benefit and an edification to that, but sometimes that edification might present a hindrance, a stumbling block. So there is a sincerity and there is a power, there is a strength in reading the word of God as it is presented. Because I am a Bible literalist. I believe with all my heart that the word of God, for the most part, for the most part, is very literal in its communication. It is very literal in its communication. And I believe that is how the Spirit of God intended for the Word of God to be communicated to the common man. So it, 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 it fell on me 
really to begin the series and i i really don't know how far we we will go with the series but i suspect we will go far because if we go at the pace at which we are going now we we definitely are going to take some time but it's fine and and i'm really content with that because i believe there is there is a life there is light in the word of god there is man no one let me say this no one who ever attempted to live life by their own wisdom ultimately succeeded no one there's no one because life is very complex life is a maze there there are many layers and degrees of complexities in life it is a very harsh very difficult terrain to navigate without the necessary tools and many times we think that the tools that are required to navigate life are a material tools and and that is not the case that is not the case it is wisdom and it is it, it's those without wisdom that will fail but there's there's an origin to wisdom you do not just study wisdom you do not come and go to university and study wisdom wisdom is a benevolence of god upon man the bible says the beginning of wisdom where wisdom begins where you begin to be wise the starting point he says is the fear of the lord In other words you are not wise you have not begun the journey in wisdom until you begin to fear God because the structures of this life are built in such a way that one requires wisdom to navigate through it and he said the only way you can access wisdom the treasuries of wisdom the access key to the treasuries of wisdom is to fear god is to fear god and throughout the years we've had diverse interpretations of that communication what does it mean to fear god if if you had a fear of dogs right if you had a fear of dogs if you have a if you had a phobia of dogs you wouldn't go where dogs are right you you there would not because just being there would present danger to you even though the dogs may not be dangerous but to you it is a signal for danger because or the phobia that exists within your mental space that same fear you have for dogs and other things is the same fear you must have for god because i, I don't know what is this watered down uh, analogy when it comes to fearing god it's no it's it's a respect You don't respect a dog. Do you respect a dog? 
But if you're afraid of it, you're afraid of it. Irrespective of whether or not you respect it. And that's what it means to fear God. Right? You, you don't have to respect God to fear Him. That means you can fear God without respecting Him. As are many other people who, who, who have a fee, but they don't have the respect. So, the fear of the Lord begins with fear. To, to develop a respect for God, you must fear Him. You, you cannot de develop a respect for God until you fear Him. Thus, you cannot access wisdom. So, the, the Word of God is, is clear. If we want to be wise, we must fear the Lord and we must shun evil. We must shun away from evil. Anything that is evil or has the appearance of evil, we must shun away from. As, as our duty, as a reflection and an indication of our fear of God. So the word of God can give us, can impart to us the fear of the Lord, which would then lead into wise living. You understand? Wise living. M many people are, are not engaged in wise living because you cannot engage in wise living without the word of God. You can't. How? Jesus, in his time in the wilderness and temptation by the devil, said, it is written. It is written. It is written. I can't get over the fact that Jesus upheld the word before Satan. And I can't get over the fact that Satan left him. Irrespective of the weight, the density, or the strength of the temptation, every time Jesus upheld the word of God, there was a shift. There was a change. Hallelujah. Because the word of the Lord is life. So when we tell you develop a, a devotion for the word, a devotion for the scriptures, the end is that you, you develop a zeal, a love for the word of God. Oh, your life, your life 
will find depth, will find meaning. And a well of strength you cannot get anywhere else because of the word. Let's go into the scriptures and try and cover some ground uh, with the book of Revelation. So we discussed several uh, uh, um, communications and concepts that have been revealed to us here. And I think we ended in verse 3. I mean, we've been busy with this now for over five weeks. It's still in verse 3. Lord have mercy. (laughs) Uh, Verse 3 said, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy. So then, blessed is he that readeth and hears the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. Verse 4, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Now, this revelation is composited into two parts, right? The first part takes place in the earth where Jesus gives John the message to the seven churches which were in Asia. We will read about these churches and the communication that the Lord made to them. Now, what I want you to notice and what I want you to realize here is the timelessness of these messages. That the Lord spoke in such a way that while he was addressing the church at that time, the message and the messages really permeated through dispensations. Which means there are prophetic implications in the communication. So he said, to the seven churches which are in Asia. Now ask yourself, why not one or why not three? Why not four? Why specifically seven? Why seven? To the seven churches which are in Asia. There must be meaning uh, that can be drawn and deduced from the messages to the seven churches. Now, the seven churches at that time lived in different regions in Asia. And Jesus, the Bible tells us when, oh, we'll read read about it. Let me not go into that. But the Bible tells us that the first part of the communication from chapter one into chapter three takes place on earth, right? And the second part takes place in, in heaven. So from chapter 4, right up until the last chapter 22, all this is taking place in heaven. And all this is really the 
revelation of the scroll and the seven seals. So there are words that Jesus speaks on earth and he speaks to the churches and their words and revelations and mysteries that has to do with the seals, with the scroll and the seven seals. So when John is writing this, he says, grace be unto you and peace from him, which was, which is, which was, and which is to come. He's talking about the omnipresence of God, that God cannot be locked in time that he is and he was and he is to come he is the present he is the past and he is the future so god encompasses all space and time dimensions he is himself time and in understanding this, we, 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 we can find solace in the fact that our future, our present, and our past can and will be taken care of by God. Because He is God of the past, He is God of the present, and He is God of the future. So when you're dealing with God, you're not just dealing with a present God. You're, you're dealing with a future God. You're dealing with a past God. You're dealing with a God who exists in all these different dimensions now. <laughs> Do you understand that? He, 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 he was, he is, and is to come. So he exists simultaneously in all these dimensions. And he exists as the I am. Ayi Asha Ayi. I am. That is the composition of the one who is and was and is to come. I am. So within I am is, is the God who was, the God who is, and the God who is to come. Now, when he says, I am that I am, whew, which means that God can take any form and any revelation to which he reveals himself. So God can reveal himself as light and he'll say, I am light. I am the light. So, so, so the, the, the names of God are essential in understanding the revelation of his character and attribute. But his word, his word, his word is, is the discovery of God. You, you know and you will know who God is once you pass through or go beyond the revelations of his names and understand him as the word of God. Because it's only as the word of God that you get to see all those dimensions interplay before you. Because if he is Jehovah, he can only be Jehovah at that time. That's why he only manifested himself to Abraham as God Almighty, El Shaddai. 
and he said to Moses as as by my name Jehovah I did not reveal myself to Abraham he knew me by God almighty but as the word all the revelations of his names all the revelations of his attributes are compacted in his word so when you see Jesus you see Nisi you see Rafa You see Titskeno, you, 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 see, you see all the multifaceted dimensions of who he is, who he was, and who he is to come. So he says, from him which is and who was and who is to come. And then he says, from the seven spirits which are before his throne, from the seven spirits which are before his throne the seven spirits the seven spirits we read about them in uh, Isaiah chapter 11 the bible talks about the spirit of the lord the spirit of wisdom and counsel the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the lord i mean of might the spirit of counsel and of, and of might uh, the spirit of the fear of the lord all these seven spirits are the manifestations of the perfections of God. So the spirit of the Lord is the perfection of the Lord. The manifestation of the perfection of the Lord. The spirit of wisdom is the manifestation of the perfection of wisdom. So so he is and they are So he speak he speaking about the seven spirits of God. I believe if God God would allow me, we would go into this in 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 greater detail. But I want you to notice their positionings. The seven spirits are before the throne. The seven spirits are not on the throne. They are before the throne. Now why is that important? why and the seven spirits on the throne just like the father is on the throne just like the son of god the lamb of god is on the throne why and the seven spirits of god on the throne they are before the throne you understand that they are before the throne so before mathahila gradai before you approach the throne before you reach the throne you find the seven spirits of god remember when god told moses to build the tabernacle right on your way to the holy of holies where the ark of the uh, of the tabernacle was on your way you found the table of shewbread and you found the menorah right the seven candlesticks they were right before access into the holy of holies which means the the only way to access the throne is through the spirit you can not reach the throne dimension without the spirit so the spirit is essential in bringing us before the throne bringing us before the father 
And not just the spirit, but the seven spirits of God. So he said the seven spirits of God, which are before his throne. Hallelujah. We'll discuss this at a later stage. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness. <laughs> Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead. Jesus is the first begotten, the first born of the dead. What is he saying? What is he saying? Jesus, read that out loud. The first begotten of the dead. He is the first born of the dead. What 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 is he saying? What is really the communication of this expression? The first begotten of the dead. Now let, let me explain because this is powerful. If, if you understand this, if you understand this, you would understand why Satan is, is afraid of the unveiling of the gospel. Here's what the Bible means when he says, the first begotten, he doesn't say the first begotten of the father, right? Which he says is in another place. And you understand that he's the firstborn of God. But this one, he says, he is the firstborn of the dead. So Jesus, he's the first one to come out of the clutches of death. Remember, death is not only a phenomenon, right? Death is not only a place. Death is also a person. And death is the one that is in charge of everybody who dies. Right? So everybody who dies is captured, imprisoned by this being called death. In this place called death. Right? So no one had ever escaped the clutches of death. From the beginning of creation, no one who ever died was lost by death. Are you following me? So all who ever died, they could not conquer death. Death held them. No matter how strong they were in life, no matter how powerful they were in life, no matter how uh, wealthy they were in life, it didn't, doesn't matter their station. Once they died, they became slaves 
of death. Abraham became a slave of death. Adam became a slave of death. The Bible says death was an, oh my God. Can we go deeper into this? Okay. Romans chapter five, please. Romans chapter five. Oh Lord God. Verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world. So, so man was a gatekeeper. We'll talk about that some other time. As by one man, sin entered into the world, right? And death entered by sin. So man opened the door for sin in the world and sin opened the door for death. So death entered into the world by sin. So if, if you want to ask, where does death originate from? Sin. Where does sin originate from? Do, do, do you see that? So, so the, the originator of death is sin. So death is only possible in this plane because of sin. If you remove sin, it is impossible for death to find expression. So sin made way for death. Now I want you to follow, right? I want you to follow. So that death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. So death passed Makitha Hada. Death, death passed upon all men. It means it traveled. <laughs> so so if, if everyone who is born because all have sinned death travel through them so if you are if any man that is alive now death is traveling within them so death passed upon all men that's what the word means death walked through all men it it, it means to traverse so Death traversed upon all men, which means no one could escape death. Because all have sinned. Death was inescapable. So it traversed on account of sin upon all men. All men. Now follow. Right? Verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned. Death reigned. The word there is basilio. Basilio, interestingly, is the same word from which the word kingdom comes from. 
Which means the spirit is telling us that because of sin, death became the king of the world. Follow me, follow me. Death became the king of the world. Life was not king. Death was king. Because all have sinned. So everybody was governed by death. Death was the king of the world. So death reigned from Adam to Moses. Uh, <laughs> uh, why doesn't he say death reigned from Adam to Jesus? The reign of death ended by the presentation of the written word. But we'll get there, we'll get there, we'll get there, we'll get there. Death was a king. And as a king, death has had its own laws. Read, read, read verse, verse chapter 8. Read chapter 8. So don't forget, death reigned. Death passed over all men. So let's read Romans chapter 8. Let's read verse number 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ. You see, there was no life on earth until Jesus came. So death had free reign in the earth until Jesus came. So the laws of the spirit were veiled laws. They were esoteric. They were hidden laws. So the laws of the spirit or the laws of life were hidden laws. There were laws that were encoded or embedded in the commandment of God, in the word of God, in the voice of God. So he said, verse 2, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death because law hath passed over all men, which means all men up until that time was functioning by the law of death. The, 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 the regulation of our systems was death. So death was king. Death was ruler. So that's why nobody who ever died physically ever came out of the clutches of death. Now, now, now follow, 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 because this is, this is so profound. So death held everybody who ever died. They are captive. So David, when he died, he became a captive of death. All the prophets, when they died, they became captives of death. Death held them. And death would not release them because death was their Lord. 
He lorded it over them. He passed over them. So upon everybody whom death has passed upon, death had laid claims on them. So as far as death is concerned, no one has ever came out of his prison. No one. Even the mightiest who called upon the name of God, no one has ever escaped. So you can understand the pride. You can understand the pompous. You can understand the confidence that death had. And that is why the way through which God destroys death is through death of Jesus. So he does not destroy death by life. He destroys death by death. So for God to bring annihilation, because all death has ever known was victory. Death had spoils. The spoils of death were all great men of God, all the wicked of the world. Death had them. And then one day, this one who has been foretold from ancient times is born. When you look at him, he looks like human. When you look at his outward appearance, he looks like one of his brethren. But he has hidden himself. This one is man, but he's God. Now, we know that God is life. <laughs> we know that God is life. We know that. He is life. In him, there's no darkness at all. In him, there's no death at all. As the father hath life within himself, so hath he given unto the son to have life within himself. So what happens now is this one comes because death had given a challenge. These must be ransomed, but how will they be ransomed? Because death has every legal right to hold him hostage. So they die. They die. And death fastens his clasp around them. And they die. And they are there. And this man comes, he leaves, he's called the savior of the world. He comes, he leaves 30 years. And then God inspires. He, he incites Satan to kill this one. So God in his wisdom is going to trap Satan. Because Satan's uh, uh, at, uh, Satan's Prize, Satan's trophy of victory 
is death. When they die, Satan can say, I won. I won. Because everybody died and he's got them. He, he got all of them. He got all of them. And then this one called Jesus comes and he tells everybody, I've come that he might have life. So Jesus came to bring the reign of life. See, the gospel, my brothers, my sisters, the gospel, oof. He came to bring the reign of life. But in order for that to happen, what he needed to do was he needed to bind a strong man because you don't, you, you don't, you, <laughs> you don't get the spoils until you bind a strong man. And death was a strong man of civilization. So Jesus, he leaves and God orchestrates circumstances through which Satan thinks he's capitalizing. The Bible tells us. Can, can, can we read it? Let's read it, please. Because uh, I'm trying to explain what the firstborn of the dead means. Let's read. Um, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's read second, first, uh, first, first Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 6. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes... Now, here, when he's talking about princes, he's talking about the spirits. He's talking about spirits. The, the, the princes of this world. Remember... Archangels of God or, or angels that did not fall are princes in the heavens. These ones, he says, the princes of this world, the rulers of the darkness of this world, he says, which none of them, think about this, there was no principality, no demonic entity that had privy, that had insight into this wisdom. So none of them knew what they were doing. Because what God was orchestrating was a wisdom that was not of this world. So, which none of the princes of this world, hallelujah, knew. For had they known it, they would not have... Had, had they known it, they would not have crucified him. they would not have crucified the Lord of glory had they known what they were doing. Had they known that this was their end. Had they known that this was their destruction. They would not have. They would have denied Jesus' death. 
Had they known it, all devils will come out of those who are responsible for his death. Had they known it. Satan would have no hand in his death, but he soiled his hand because he did not know what was happening. So now what happens is that Jesus, remember, he said, as the father has life in himself, so has he given the son to have life within himself so that I have the power to lay it down and take it up again. So the only time it, is, it becomes possible for Jesus to die is if he wills it. Because death hath no reign over Jesus. Jesus was the only human being upon which death had or could not exercise any authority. And death knew it. That's why death dreaded Jesus. Because it knew it, it could not. Because the power of death was within Jesus, not in death. So the will of Christ was more powerful than the strength of death. So what happens is Jesus dies. And when he dies, he says it is finished. Now I want to show you something. Because you might have heard or you might have heard taught that when Jesus died, he was arrested. Who, who arrested him? I want to show you something, all right? I, I want to show you something because Jesus, when he went into hell, the Bible says they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. When he went into hell, when he died, he did not go to heaven. He went to Gehenna. Now, I want us to read several scriptures, okay? I want us to read several scriptures. I want us to read Ephesians chapter 4. I want us to read Ephesians chapter 4. I want us to read Psalm 24. Ephesians chapter 4. Let's start there. Are we there? Now listen to this. Now let, let, let's read Ephesians chapter 4. Let's read this. Verse number 7. But unto every one of us is grace given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive. So Jesus, for the first time in human civilization, Jesus arrested death. My brothers and my sisters, I, I show you a mystery. I, behold, maybe you do not know this, but Jesus arrested death. There is no need for death. There's... There, Death cannot pass over you anymore unless you allow it. Because Jesus Christ led captivity. What is captivity? Is death. He led captivity captive. 
the thing that held man in captivity Jesus held it in captivity he arrested death death has been arrested because the exercise the demonstration the the par- uh, proliferation the expression the manifestation of life cannot be possible without the supplanting of death so Jesus needs to replace the order the king over humanity it was death now it's no longer death the king over humanity is life so it's no longer death reigned now it's life reigned why because jesus christ oh my god he, the bible says he led captivity captive Now when did he lead captivity captive? When was it? When did he leave captive? Now now let's read it. Let's read. Remember, he died. This Jesus died, but spirits don't die. The Bible says he died in the flesh. He was made alive in the spirit. Hey hey. Woo! Come 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 Let, let's read When he ascended on high he led captivity captive He led captivity captive Now I want us to read something I want us to read Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 and then I want us to read 1 Peter and then we're going to end with uh, Psalm 24 Let's start with Hebrews Hebrews chapter 2 please Hebrews chapter 2 Hallelujah Hallelujah. Verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death, hmm, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. So there is one who controlled death you see that today satan is is captive to death he 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 is a prisoner of death the bible says jesus through death so when he died when he died when he said it is finished there was a cosmic hallelujah there was a cosmic reality that was brought into form oh my god ali shaprahati galigron salida vanta sapradigo salata Ah Oh my god thank you Jesus Sapra ida galivaron sahitre So when when he died 
when he died, he destroyed through death. Look at how God destroys death. Look at how God destroys the power of death. Not through life. He destroys it through death. He dies. He dies. So Jesus could not have gone into hell a prisoner. He went into hell as a conqueror. Now, 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 let's strengthen it. First Peter chapter 3, please. First Peter chapter 3. Hallelujah. Hmm. Now I want you to see this. First Peter chapter 3 verse 19. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 19. Let's read from verse 18. For Christ also hath one suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. He suffered for sins that he might bring us to God. Madadai. Are you ready? Look at this. Being put to death in the flesh. Being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the spirit. So he died. He gave up his ghost, but he was quickened by the spirit. Listen to this. By which, by which, by the spirit, by the spirit. So the, 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 the scriptures are revealing to us how Jesus entered into the nether regions. He said, but quickened by the spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in Oh, look at that. He's not saying he went and preached unto men. No, this could not have been in the earth. And the scriptures is telling us that he went into the, the, the spirits, where the spirits were in prison. He went there by the spirit. In the flesh he died, but by the spirit he descended. He descended. So when he got there, the Bible says, no, notice, the conquering was already done on the cross. <laughs> the conquering, the destruction of death and the he that had the power of death was already done on the cross. It was not done in hell. By the time he got to hell, he was preaching the gospel because remember, remember this, remember, they, none can come or none can receive life without the preaching of the gospel. They, are, they lied to you when they said that Jesus did not preach the gospel. Yes, 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 on this plane of the earth, Jesus did not preach, but he is the first preacher of the gospel because the Bible says he went into the spirits in prison and he preached he found David and he preached. My God, he found Abraham and he preached. 
he found Adam. Jesus preached the gospel to Adam. Are you listening to this? He preached the gospel to Adam and Eve. My God. The thief cometh not only but to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life. He said there shall come a day when those who are dead and alive shall hear the voice of the Son of God. Some will resurrect. But he was talking about the day in which he will come back. This time when he died, he went and preached unto the spirits in prison which sometime were disobedient. <laughs> you see, he was not only speaking, preaching to Adam, he was preaching to Pharaoh. He was preaching to Nebuchadnezzar. Mantakaparozonta ilapranzakapataya. He was speaking, my God. He preached to Ahab. My God. The, 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 he says, who, who were disobedient. When once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein a few, that is eight souls, were saved. Look at that. Look at that. Hallelujah. 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 Now when the Bible talks about the firstborn, the first begotten of the day, he's talking about Jesus. Jesus, why? Because he's the first one who ever died and came out alive. You, you, you didn't hear what I said. He's the first one who died but came out of death alive. Why? The Bible says, who through the gospel, my God, brought to light, brought to light life and immortality. I want to read you something. I want to read you something. Because this thing is not spoken about a lot. It's not spoken about a lot. But there's a mystery. There's a reality. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> oh, let's read Matthew. I'll close with, with Psalm 24. Oh, oh. Oh my Lord, Matthew. Uh, Ah, let's read. My God, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, hey. hallelujah. Matthew 27, Matthew 27, Matthew 27, Matthew 27, 50, 52. Let's read from verse 50. Jesus, when he cried, 
Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent from twain, from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. Verse 52. And the graves, <laughs> and the graves were open. <laughs> And the graves were opened, and more no, 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 and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. There's a new king in town. <laughs> Woo! And the graves were opened, and the many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. <laughs> hey, Abraham went into heaven alive. David went into heaven alive. My God, Jacob went into heaven alive. He walked the streets of Jerusalem because remember, he had promised them. He had promised them. There it is. They came out of the graves after his resurrection. Jesus is the first begotten of the dead. He is the first begotten of the dead. He's the firstborn from the dead. If there's a firstborn, there must be a secondborn. My God. Now, now let me show you. Let me show you. Let me show you this was prophesied years ago. Psalm 24. Psalm 24. Hallelujah. Verse 7. Let's read verse 1. The earth is the Lord, the, the earth is the Lord, the fullest thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend unto the heel of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob. Verse 7. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Even lift them up, ye everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. Once they knew what they had done by killing him, they shut all doors, every door in hell, every door in Gehenna, every door in the regions of the dead was shut up. They want to open for Jesus, but he was coming no matter what he was coming because now he has disposed of principalities and powers. He stripped them of all their power. They were destroyed. Satan went and hide. Death went and hide. Hell went and hide. But where shall they hide from the Lord of glory? And when he came in, he that once had the keys gave it to him. He said, I am he who holds the keys of death 
and hate. The one who lives forevermore, he holds the keys of death and hate. The gospel is God's most prized possession because it is through the gospel that death is disposed, that the reign of death is, is destroyed, that the power of death is removed and life is enthroned. The gospel, ah, no, 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 no. The gospel is what will bring incorruptibility into the world. The only way Enoch could still be alive by now is because God must have preached to him the gospel. Otherwise, he could not have been. Only through the gospel is life and immortality composed. Let's read Timothy. Oh, death, where is your sting? Jesus removed the sting of death. When people die, they die because death and life is in the power of the tongue. Because death now is subservient to the will of man. If man decides, I will not die, no devil in hell can stop them from dying. Because now death has no power over man. Jesus has. Oh no, you're speaking heresy. You speak. Let me ask you a question. Am I glorifying Jesus? <laughs> Am I glorifying Jesus? If I'm glorifying Jesus, I'm speaking by the Spirit of Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10. We'll read this and then we'll close up. Verse 9, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but now is made manifest by the appearing. What? The purpose and grace of God is made manifest. Our calling is made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath who hath abolished Mathaliki Brahata Sanda Kaliga Brahata? Jesus, who hath abolished death? Jesus, who hath abolished death? He destroyed death. Okay. Okay, okay. Uh, maybe, maybe that's not strong enough. He made death cease to exist. He, the, the, the word there means to do away. He, Jesus did away with death. But men are still dying. Of course, men are still dying because men are still in the dark. If they come to the light, they'll have life. Jesus brought to life. Let, let me tell you, the generation of rapture is the generation that believes, totally believes in mortality. Because to believe in rapture means you'll never die. 
That's what it means to believe in, in the rapture. It means you'll be caught up to the Lord alive. There are those who will be caught up to the Lord who will resurrect from the dead. There's a difference between resurrection and immortality. So the Bible says, by the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death, he did away with death. Jesus, he hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. The word the immortality, it means incorruption. That's what it means. It means unending incorruptible existence. Jesus hath brought life. He Notice it. Notice. 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 He abolished death and he brought life. What did I say to you? That for for life to reign, it must take and remove death. Jesus, the Bible says, has removed death. If our gospel be heed, our gospel, he hath brought all this, he hath brought all this to light. So when, when we start knowing the true gospel of Jesus, we realize, hey, Jesus destroyed death. Jesus destroyed death. There's no need to die anymore. There's no need to get sick anymore. Jesus destroyed death. And he brought life and immortality through the gospel. The gospel. The gospel. And Paul says, it is through the preaching of the gospel that we come unto liberation, that we come unto our inheritance. It's not money. Uh-uh, is immortality. There's something greater than money. There's something greater than physical possessions. That is eternal superiority. And Jesus has done it. Which means the measurement of the strength of the gospel in our generation should be what? Should be life. Should be immortality. Because it is brought to light by the gospel. If the gospel is preached, there will be life. If the gospel is preached, there will be immortality. If the gospel is preached, hallelujah, there will be the abolishment of death. There will be the eradication of death and everything that accords with it. So when the Bible says, from Jesus Christ, the firstborn of the dead, that's what it means. He came out from death alive and he's the first to ever do it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, we we don't have time for more. Uh, We'll continue next week, okay? See you guys on Friday. Enjoy the rest of your week. God bless you. Amen.